Well, that is a very realistic video and uh, very appropriate as uh, we look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. I just want to say right up front, there are no perfect families in the church. None. We are all dysfunctional. And we all need Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so uh, we are going to be looking at two verses this morning, verses 20 and 21. I'm going to talk to the children for just a moment. I'm going to talk to parents for a little bit longer time, okay? But uh, this is what Paul says in verse 20. Children, obey your parents. Can I hear an amen from mom and dad this morning? Okay. This was an often quoted verse in our home when we had kids growing up, at least on parents' part. And, uh, and then it goes on to say this. And uh, everything for this pleases the Lord. And then verse 21. Fathers, do not promote provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Can I hear an amen from the children? Man, that is a hearty amen. But this was a well-quoted verse in our home as well uh, when it came to the kids. But uh, we're, we're finishing up, uh, we're almost about ready to finish up Colossians chapter 3. And uh, Paul's been talking about the gospel. And uh, as he's been talking about the gospel and who we are in Christ, and Christ is in us, and we are in Christ, and Christ is our all in all, he talks about the clothing that we need to be wearing as, as believers, not just in the community, okay, but in our homes. A, the gospel needs to be making a difference in our homes and how we how, how a husband and wife treat one another, and how a husband and wife, mom and dad, raise the kids. And, uh, and that's where Paul goes to first as he talks about the difference the gospel is to make. To make. And so last week we looked at the, the husband and wife relationship, and uh, this morning we're looking at the kids and the parents. Now, when it comes to the children, Paul says in verse 20, he says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Kids, if you want to obey authority in your life, it needs to first take place with mom and dad. If you're not obeying, being obedient to your mother and father, you're going to have a difficulty with all different types of authority in your life as you continue to grow older. And as you obey your mom and dad, you know what the Bible says? This pleases him. This is God's will for your life. Uh, oftentimes, kids, uh, especially teenagers, they want to know God's will for their life as they're thinking about graduation and uh, thinking about what God would have them do uh, for the rest of their life. Well, it begins with obeying your mom and dad. And uh, as you go through childhood and into, through adolescence and become a, a 
young adult yourself, there gets to be a point where you no longer have to be obedient to them because you're making decisions on your own. Uh, you have that relationship with the living Lord Jesus Christ, and, and your highest allegiance is to him. But according to verse uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses, or Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through th- 3, that even though you no longer have to obey your parents, you always have to honor, honor them. Look at Ephesians 6. It's in your handout this morning. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Being obedient to your mom and dad is serious business. It's so serious that he's listed it as one of the top ten in Exodus chapter 20. You know, the first three or first four commands in, uh, the, of the Ten Commandments have to do with God. You know, that uh, there's no other gods besides God alone. We're not to use his name in vain. We're not to make other idols. We're to worship him and him only. And we are to honor the Sabbath. And the fifth commandment is children obey your parents. I mean, this comes before lying and and murdering and stealing. This is how seriously God takes uh, you kids obeying mom and dad. We must obey them. And as we get older in life, yes, as you're on your own, they're no longer your authority, but you need to respect who they are in your life and honor them all the days of your life. So that's the responsibility uh, for children. And when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, when the gospel, our salvation, the salvation... Jesus' death on the cross has impacted our heart and life. Guess what? That needs to show up in the home. Uh, We need to be reflecting that in how we treat our parents. So that's the children's part. And then we come to the, Paul talks to the fathers. He says in verse 21, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. It's talking about parenting. And, you know, it's not easy raising kids, is it? You know, and uh, I have found that those who are the, the leading experts in raising children, they don't have kids themselves. You know? And I found myself in that category uh, at a, a moment in time. Uh, Early in our parenting, uh, Allison came along first, and she she was a decoy baby. She was a very easy baby. And, uh, you know, Susan and I were a bit arrogant at how easy it was raising this, uh, this little baby. We had some friends um, that uh, we spent a lot of time with in the San Bernardino area, and they had a child about... Allison's age, 
And I remember at a Billy Graham crusade, we were in Anaheim for this Billy Graham crusade, and we were in the nosebleed sections, okay? And uh, their, their little boy was a screamer. And he was screaming during uh, this, this service, this outdoor service. And I remember looking at them and looking at their little boy and thinking to myself, you know, if that were my child, I wouldn't let them get away with that. And, uh, and that's because, you know, we had a decoy baby. But then Kyle came along, and Kyle was a screamer, and I didn't know how to control that little baby when he started to scream, but it's amazing how, you know, how knowledgeable parents are about parenting when they don't have kids themselves. But as we look at this text this morning, mom and dad... If the gospel of Jesus has impacted our heart and life, it is going to show up first and foremost in our home life. That's where Paul goes first, is to the home. How we treat our husband or our wife, and then how we relate to our children and raise our children in the Lord. Paul is telling us in this chapter that the family of faith needs to pass on the faith to the next generation. Now, we can't make that decision for our kids. That's only something the grace of God can do in their life. But if we're modeling that... If we're reflecting all of who God is and wants to be in our heart and life, uh, the odds of them walking in our footsteps are much greater. But we have responsibility, Mom and Dad, to pass on, pass the baton of faith on to our children's children. And as we walk with the Lord, as we raise them in the the things of the Lord, that's not a guarantee, you know, that they're going to follow in our footsteps. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not, uh, he, will, he, will, he will walk in them. That's not a, that's not a promise. That's a principle. And I came across this a paraphrase of that verse that I want to put on the screen because I, I think it's very true. It says, when it comes to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, Do your best when they are young and hope for the best when they grow up. I think that's, those are wise words. And we need to do our best now. And if we're doing our best now, you know what? The odds are greater that they're going to follow in our footsteps. I came across this statistic as I was uh, preparing for this message. Families who attend church weekly, families who attend church weekly, their children have a 59% greater chance of acquiring mom and dad's faith. 59% chance. Families who attend church monthly 
it is a 31% chance that the children will take on the parents' faith. And the percentage is not a much lower for families who attend annually, the CEO Christians, Christmas and Easter only. There's a 26% chance that children will take on the parents' faith. So it's not, it's not easy. But Paul is telling us in this passage of Scripture, Mom and Dad, you have a responsibility. And we can't just send our kids to church. We need to take our ch- children to church. And, um, and just understand, there are some good, good, good times, and there are some hard times when it comes to raising our kids. Our children are like a garden, okay? And it takes constant care. And you have to be extremely patient for the fruit to grow. But you need to nurture it, you need to weed it, you need to water it, you need to love on it. But your kids are your garden. And God wants us to encourage them and not provoke them. I'm just being honest with you this morning. I'm really good at provoking my kids. I know all their buttons to push. And uh, and I oftentimes have to refrain myself, but sometimes I don't do a very good job. But uh, I want to talk about um, um, how not to provoke your children this morning, how not to discourage them. And I want you to, I've talked about this before, but I want you to think of your kids as as a bank account, okay? And with a bank account, uh, we have to make, we make deposits into that bank account, and we have to make withdrawals. And uh, deposits, I'm going to be talking about the deposits into their emotional bank account, what they are, and uh, I'll talk about the withdrawals. And as parents, we have to make withdrawals occasionally, you know, when it comes to uh, discipline and um, and consequences, there are withdrawals that need to be made out of their emotional bank account. And if we haven't taken the time to make the deposits necessary to encourage them, to build that relationship with them, if our relationship is all about re- withdrawals, and no deposits or few deposits, guess what? There's a lot of conflict in the home. There's a lot of bitterness in the home. And our kids are discouraged. And Paul says, don't discourage them. Don't provoke them to anger. Encourage them in the things of the Lord. So I've got more sermon than I've got time this morning. And so I want to just talk about the deposits this morning as uh, we conclude this service. And, I, and I'll get to the withdrawals next week. But how do we, what kind of deposits do we need to make in their emotional bank account? Well, the first, first one is, Mom and Dad, you need to tell them how proud 
you are of them. They need to hear it from you. You know, it doesn't need to be a silent pride. Don't talk yourself into thinking, well, they know I'm proud of them. I don't have to say anything. No, you need to audibly express how much you appreciate them, of what you think of them. And a perfect text that would encourage us in this area is God the Father with his son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus was baptized, the Bible says the the sky opened up and God said this in Mark chapter 1, verse 11, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. You know what? It wasn't just Jesus who heard those words. Everybody heard those words. And our children need to hear how much we love them and what we think about them. And we need to brag on them. We need, we need to make a big deal about them publicly, verbally. But they hear it and others around them hear it. When was the last time you publicly voiced that type of approval to your kids? They need to hear it, Mom, Dad. Because they're not hearing it at school. You know, it's a, it's a real negative environment out there in the world. And it's the home where they need to be built up and encouraged. So tell them how proud you are of them. That's a deposit in their emotional bank account. Number two, expect the best. Believe that they can make good decisions and that you are thinking the best of them, not the worst. We'll get into this next week when we talk about withdrawals. But if there's always a lack of trust between you and your child, particularly you and your teenager, that is so defeating. And you're t- just think about where you, what your t- teen is going through out there in the world. And you don't trust them, and they're discouraged, and they're contemplating a decision, and they're, they convince themselves, oh, mom and dad, they think I'm going to do it anyway, so I might as well go ahead and do it. No, expect the best. Believe that they can make wise choices. My wife, every time our kids left the house, you know, it was the words, I love you, and make good decisions. Be kind. And that resonated with our kids. And we believed that they could make good choices for themselves. Another important deposit is be there. Be there for big events. Uh, Be there at their awards assemblies. Uh, Be there for their sporting events. Now, my wife did a whole lot better job than I did at being there for events. 
But there's one, there's one event that I was so proud of that I was there that she wasn't. <laughs> this was when, when Kyle was playing Little League Baseball, and uh, he was 12 years old. He was on the All-Star team. And Susan never missed a pitch. She never missed an at-bat. But there was something that was going on at the house, and she had to run to the house quickly to uh, open the door for somebody who was coming. And uh, why I didn't go, I, I don't remember. But she left, and while she was gone, what's that? Selfishness? Oh, it was probably selfishness. <laughs> probably... But while she was gone, Kyle hit a home run over the fence, <laughs> and I was there for that. But uh, but that was the only time that she missed, and she made sure that uh, uh, that she had uh, forgotten that. She felt really bad. But but be there, be there at home, mom and dad. Here, I'm going to step on some toes right now. And being there, that means, you know what? You need to put down the phone. Okay? This can be a, uh, a huge distraction. This can be an addiction. And you can miss a lot of moments in your child's life just there in the same room while you're staring at this device. You know, we restrict our kids with uh, technology. We need to restrict ourselves with technology so that we can be there for our kids. Another important deposit in our kids' bank account, emotional bank account, is appropriate affection. Appropriate affection, okay? And now... Maybe, Mom and Dad, maybe you didn't grow up in an affectionate home. And, and saying the words, I love you, or giving that hug doesn't come naturally to you. Well, learn to make it natural. You know, say those words, I love you. Give them a, a hug. Give them appropriate affection. Now, when they're younger... It's different than when they're older, okay? They're more receptive to the hugs and the, the kisses on the cheek and, uh, and the, the I love you, love yous and, and all the affection when they're younger. But you know what? It's not as cool when they're a teenager. And I know it's hard on some of you as parents because you want to be just as affectionate with them when they're teenagers as you were when they're children. Well... Don't provoke your children to anger, okay? And if they're embarrassed by your affection as teenagers, respect their space, okay? You are going to be relating to them differently as teens than you are as children. And you talk it out as to what's appropriate and what's not appropriate, now, one thing that um, has really frustrated my boys that I'm not going back on, but I remember my dad when he was uh, telling me goodbye as, uh, as I was going off to, to college or, or uh, getting married and a life of my own, um, my dad got really good at 
saying, I love you, son, as I was as an older adult. Didn't hear that as a kid, but uh, my dad, for some reason, he would hug me and he would kiss me on the cheek. That meant a lot to me. And so as my kids, my boys have gotten older and they're leaving the house, guess what? I give them a hug and I give them a kiss on the cheek and they hate that. <laughs> That's okay. I love them and I want to express that to them. And uh, But they're older and so it's not as humiliating as if it were they were a teenager. But appropriate, appropriate affection. Another huge deposit in their emotional bank account is listening to them. That's, that's part of being there, okay? But uh, particularly as teenagers. You know, sometimes teenagers can get pretty quiet. They're not as verbal as they were as children growing up. And in those rare moments... When there's something on our kid's heart as teens, and they're just they're spilling their guts, uh, please don't be on your phone. Please don't be absorbed with ESPN or some ball game at that moment. Those moments are rare, and you need to be there for your kids, and you need to listen to what they have to say. And in listening to what they have to say, guess what? You need to repeat back to them what you've heard them say to make sure that you've got it, got it correctly. It's called active listening. And as you listen, as you repeat back to them, you know what you're communicating? You're communicating that you care. That what they have to say is important. They want you to know that they're there, active listening. Sometimes they're not very verbal. They're not very expressive. But you know something's going on in their heart, in their life. You know what? You need to pick up on the nonverbal communication. Hey, I notice that you're sad. Is there anything going on that you want to tell me? Don't try to pry it open, okay, because they're like an alligator or a clam. They're just going to clamp down further if you try to pry. But if you communicate, let them know that you're there. If you've got those emotional deposits, if they've got a, a big bank account, a strong relationship with you, they're going to be more willing to open up to you. But pick up on that, those nonverbal uh, communication. Two more and we're done. Next is love your spouse. Mom and Dad, you need to have a, a good, strong, loving relationship with your spouse. Now, I know that there's some here who are who are single parents and you haven't had that opportunity. And if you don't have that opportunity, you know, don't speak negatively of your ex. You know, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't go there. But if you're in a relationship, if you're married to your husband or wife, 
it's really important that you love each other. The most important thing that we can pass along to our kids is our faith in Christ. And second is a loving relationship between a mom and dad. Those kids need that security, that mom and dad are there for them and they are there for each other. I remember as as a child growing up and listening to my mom and dad scream and yell at each other. And there were often nights where I would cry myself to sleep because I hated the conflict. Mom and dad, your home needs to be a refuge, a shelter for your children. The best thing you can pass on to your kids is a loving relationship between a husband and a wife. That's an important deposit in their emotional account. And then last, this isn't exhaustive. I'm sure you could think of a multitude of others. But live a life of integrity. Children, teens, young adults walk away from the faith because of the hypocrisy they see in the home. Mom and dad, your language in the home needs to be the same words that you use at church. There ought not to be any difference there. That you live a life of integrity. That you're the same person in the home that you are at church or out in the workforce. As you live a life of integrity, if you're, you're modeling the gospel before your children, the odds are in your kids' favor that they're going to walk in your footsteps. Don't provoke your kids to anger. Bring them up in the encouragement and nurture of the Lord. And God is there to help you. He is your Ebenezer. He is your stone of help. He, Jesus Christ, is our cornerstone. And we can build our lives on him. And he can help us to be successful in this parenting relationship. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your truth. Paul, Paul saw that the gospel was so important that it was it first needed to show up in our homes. God, I pray that you would help us as parents, as grandparents, to to make these emotional deposits these into our kids' lives that will encourage them. And, Help them to see and know that you're there and that, Jesus, you can be trusted. Jesus, you are our foundation. A life built on you is solid rock. There is no shifting sand. On you, even though the foundations might be shaken, they are not going to crumble. Father, help. Help us to be who you want us to be in our home.
mom and dad, in the quietness of this moment, have you been making these kinds of deposits? It's never too late to start. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. If you're here this morning and you've been really good at provoking, but not very good at encouraging, an apology to our kids goes a long way. Their love can cover a multitude of our mistakes. God is there to help you. God used this time of worship in our personal life, in our home life, in the life of our church as we look to Jesus. Would you stand?